I presented this to my father and I said, if we go on a plant-based diet and get rid of all animal products, you could come off of your medication and you could be pain-free. And he's like, let's do it. I was like jaw dropped. My dad was the grill master, you know, at all of our family gatherings or when any chance he had to use the grill, he would grill meats. He would loved his steaks and he would eat everything fat included all down to the bone, you know? So I was shocked when he said, let's do it. So 2016, kind of at the new year, um, I ditched the rest of my animal products and he slowly made the transition. I think his last thing he gave up was cow's milk. He just couldn't get over using that on his oatmeal and cereal. As a result, his cholesterol normalized, he lost weight. He's now like 62, I think we just celebrated, yeah. And he's thriving, he looks great. My mother is on board as well. Um, some of my siblings are, not all of them, but. And that was Abby Oberla, my dear friend and family nurse practitioner and lifestyle medicine advocate. And my name is Christina and I'm the host of Follow Your Kind podcast. Welcome to the show, everybody. I hope you're having fun. Hopefully you're relaxing. It's a Labor Day weekend. Um, maybe you're having some socially distance and safe uh, time with your friends and family and enjoying uh, some plant-based foods, which is very, very important to take some time off. So I'm taking some time off as well, and I hope you are too. So this week we are hearing from Abby Oberla. And Abby's amazing. She is one of the uh, cool friends that I met at one of the plant-based conferences that I went to. Uh, as I said, she's a nurse practitioner in the Minute Clinics. She is, um, uh, or at least she was, I'm, I'm, I think she still may be an instructor at Bar. Uh, she is a founder at one of, of one of the um, Plant Communities, Plant Pure Communities group in Columbus uh, called Plantastic. She volunteers at a bunch of different nonprofits uh, doing the culinary demos uh, and showing uh, people the power of plants and how to make them tasty and easy. So she's an amazing, bright human being. Uh, what I really enjoyed about this conversation is uh, Abby shares her experience of how she talks to her patients. And the unique position that she finds herself in is that patients come to her in a lot of pain. So she, she's, she works in the Minute Clinic. So people are there for a reason. And because people come there because they have an, an urgent need or something they really need to take care of, what usually differentiates that scenario from let's say a uh, um, regular kind of visit that's that's not urgent is that again people are in pain and therefore they're they're humbled and they're open-minded enough to hear whatever it is that they need to make or take in order to make this, themselves feel better so even though Abby does not have a lot of time to talk to them that is a really prime time to introduce at least a little bit, at least to set up some hooks about the power of plant-based nutrition, exercise, stress management, and all of those things and lifestyle medicine-like tools that, that she can apply and people in, can apply in their lives in order to prevent, arrest, or reverse chronic disease. And Abby does it beautifully. And what we do in this episode, we actually go through a few scenarios. Uh, for example, okay, I have diabetes. How is plant-based nutrition relevant for me? Or I have hypertension, or I have heart disease. And how, how are 
how in all of these scenarios, how can you make plant-based nutrition sound appealing? Uh, and how do you make the case in a very short period of time? And Abby describes that beautiful. So I hope you you listen through and get through that part as well. And then she also talks about some tricks about, you know, where, where do you start? So then what? Now, you know, I okay, I, I'm in pain. I want to get, I want to make myself feel better. I'm ready to try whatever it is that you want me to try. Plant-based nutrition, sure, let's do that. But then where do I start? So Abby provides some resources and tools for that as well. But in general, I, I really wanted to um, explore this topic also because the point of decision or how how and when and if we decide to make a behavior change is really, really fascinating for me. And that is for both reasons. Uh, one is, you know, the way from the standard American diet and when we realize what the information there is or what the facts are and maybe we're in a position that we're also kind of emotionally driven and maybe we have hit the bottom health-wise and we're, we're basically motivated to make change and we're open to hearing that message and we make change to the plant-based nutrition. But then also another topic that fascinates me is what does it take to stay there? So what are the tools that we can use to make this behavior sustainable or to help people make these behaviors and positive changes sustainable? And the reason I'm talking about that is I'm sure some of you have heard about you know Miley Cyrus um, announcing on Joe Rogan's show that she's no longer vegan and it is absolutely her decision to make and she's free to make any choices but what what saddens me in situations like that is a lot of times uh, people tend to follow influencers like that blindly and you know Beyonce get, goes vegan or Miley Cyrus goes vegan and then all of a sudden tons of her fans go vegan as well which is an amazing thing because we are saving all of these animals and all of this sentient beautiful beings who don't have to suffer or maybe they have to suffer less or maybe less of them have to suffer and all of this pain is saved and prevented and i think it's beautiful but then the flip side is when then the same influencers then fall off the vegan wagon all of a sudden their fans or a lot of their fans can fall off as well and that makes me really sad so the natural next question for me is okay well how do we regardless of the person is an influencer or not and however many followers they have on instagram how do you make positive change sustainable and on my personal journey in in my personal example i think it's just continuing to educate yourself and connecting your um your your mission to a bigger um bigger impact a bigger perspective so for me it was i it started as a health journey but understanding the ethical side of it and understanding the 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 suffering and pain again i'm inflicting on other sentient beings simply by you know the 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 choices that i make and what's on my plate with every bite i take has been just profound and so therefore when i want a cheat day quote-unquote cheat day you know i can still have chocolate or pizza like there are plenty of vegan choices to have cheat days with but I never cross the line for me I don't never cross cross the line between vegan because I understand that at that point it's no longer you know my health or my weight that is on the line it is the life of another sentient being and I'm just not willing to go there today so but for me it was very important to connect the two so now working my way backwards if I'm not willing to make that sacrifice if I'm not willing to put animals on my plate then how do I make 
how do I make sure that I am the best representation of the vegan uh, community that I can be? And that is where I think we have a responsibility to eat as healthy as we can, to supplement wisely when needed, you know, B12, your DHA, PA, D3 if needed, all of your vitamins. We had Matt Tillman uh, on the show last time. So check out that episode to see the vitamins that the essential vitamins that you need that may not be as readily and easily available in the diet today, regardless vegan or not. So I think it's very important to do your research. I think it's very important to to eat healthy so that you don't have to you know, suffer um, any kind of health conditions and at the same time inflict suffering on yourself, but also inflict suffering on other sentient beings because you for some reason have to or you decided that you have to eat animals in order to feel better. So that's just something I've been thinking about. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to share, uh, please email me at christina at followyourkind.com or drop me a message on social media. It's pretty easy to find me. My last name and first name are quite unique. So I hope to hear from you. And if you don't mind, I would love if you could leave a review on whatever podcast platform that you're using to listen to this show i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you have any other ideas for the guests that you would love to hear from please send me a message i hope you all have an amazing labor day weekend and i will talk to you next week and we have a super exciting guest next week that i'm not gonna reveal just yet but um yeah i'm not gonna say anything enjoy the show All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Follow Your Kind podcast. And today we have my beautiful friend, Abby, Abby Overla. Uh, she is a nurse practitioner, a fellow member of American College of Lifestyle Medicine um, group or organization and uh, an instructor for bar classes and just an amazing human being full of light who spreads the message of how wonderful plants are in our lives. <laughs> Welcome, Abby, to the show. And thank you so much. So good to be here. So good seeing you. We haven't seen each other um, in a while. I think we've met, what, twice now? or, or a few, I know we met first time. At the, a few times. We've met first time at the uh, Peapod conference. Yes, yes, yeah. That was so fun. It was. And then I, we saw each other last fall, I believe, right? At, yeah, yeah, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Yeah. yeah, that conference. It's such a... It's such a great like conglomeration of just like all bright souls passionate about plants and lifestyle medicine just like flying together. It's such an energizing experience. It is, yeah. So life giving. I remember leaving that week just feeling like on top of the world. Like we can do this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I keep thinking, um, I had somebody else uh, from that I met recently at that conference and we were kind of recalling the experience of the conference. And it's so, it's so almost unreal to think about the fact that 1500 people could have been like in the same kind of proximity at the same time. And like thinking about what's happening with the pandemic now, it just seems like a completely different world. Yeah, it really is. It's, yeah, it's sad, but we'll... Thank goodness for virtual technology, because I feel like we'd be lost without all of the, I mean, Zoom meetings, a lot of us are Zoomed out, but it's re- it's really great to be able to connect and still have conferences and those types of things on virtual platforms. Mm-hmm. But I look forward, yeah, it's, nothing's like being in person, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You can't substitute the hugs. Yeah, no. Um, so maybe that could be a good good opener. I know that 
um, of course, the, the pandemic had uh, such a, a profound impact on many of us. And a lot of it wasn't, wasn't good. A lot of it were brought obstacles and, and grievances and sadness. But I also know that as any challenge, a lot of us were, have been able to really carry out amazing lessons and have really profound experiences through that that will hopefully allow us to live more meaningful lives going forward. Um, have you experienced any of like anything like that? And maybe what are some of your like biggest lessons or like positive takeaways that you've been able to harvest so, so far from this pandemic? Definitely. So um, I know we were talking earlier about how I have a lot on my plate as do you, um, but I feel like I was even more chaotic pre-pandemic. Um, so working a full-time job on my days off, I would get up 4.30 a.m. to go to the studio and teach bar classes run around, do a ton of stuff on my off days. I just felt like I never had a moment to just breathe. And so when the pandemic hit, I still went to work as a nurse practitioner, but our bar studio was closed. And a lot of my other volunteer organizations also closed their doors. And so I was all of a sudden left with this time. At first, I totally freaked out. I'm like, oh my goodness, my worth is in what I do and I have to be busy and yada, yada, yada. I think a lot of us struggle with that. Um, but it was really good to, it was a forced season to just slow down and breathe and reevaluate and realize that, you know, I'm a human being, not a human doing, and my worth does not come from what I do. And I think I had run myself so thin that I wasn't really making that big of an impact. So it was actually a blessing in disguise to be able to have that time to kind of refocus, um, for instance, my role at work, and I, I work in a very traditional, you know, medical setting. It's people don't come into my setting thinking they're going to hear about plant-based nutrition, but I was able to kind of pull together more resources, and um, when it did get slower at work, spend more time with my patients to introduce that to them, and um, if, if they weren't, you know, all ears at that point, you know, ask them to go home and watch a documentary if, if they happen to <laughs> spike that interest. Um, and yeah, and my other downtime, I was able to kind of create a new vision board and figure out how I could use my free time to really be most impactful. So even though, you know, I wish it was all over, it, it's, <laughs> this has been a blessing in disguise, definitely. So still trying to find those silver linings in COVID, but they are there. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, no, I, I agree with you in terms of uh, being forced to slow down sometimes. I'm, as you just mentioned, I am can relate in the fact that it's very hard for me to slow down, especially when I'm not like just faced with a wall that I just hit. <laughs> so COVID has definitely been a, a blessing for me as well. And even like as simple as I just, I just finished my two-year executive master's in public health program. And just having a blessing of having the time because of all the canceled commitments to actually do my classes, to actually write my thesis, it was, it, it was very, very, uh, very timely, let's just say. That's wonderful. Okay. Well, I want to definitely get uh, in more detail on how uh, in the projects that you're involved in right now and all the amazing things that you do, and especially how do you, as you mentioned, put the spin and, and bring in the power of plant-based nutrition and lifestyle medicine into your patient education. But before we get there, um, I'd like to learn more or have listeners learn more about what got you started. So um, how did you find plant-based nutrition, what was the moment of the realization when you, re when you understood the true power that it brings and kind of what made you do the switch? 
Definitely. So yeah, um, where to start? So I went to school out of high school. I went to college to become a nurse and went through the traditional program, started working as a nurse. Um, and then one summer I was volunteering at this diabetes camp, type one diabetes camp. It was not lifestyle medicine, but one of the physicians there was kind of grilling me as to, you know, what do you want to do with your life? You're a nurse, you're here volunteering, like, tell me more. And I told him that in the hospital, any nurses out there, I'm sure can relate. Um, working a med surge floor, you see a lot of repeat patients come in for chronic diseases that they just don't know how to take care of. So for instance, you would see your diabetics come in time after time, you know, first time it's um, their sugars are just out of control. The next time they're getting an amputation, the next time they're going on dialysis. And so just because they didn't have this primary care, they didn't know how to manage their conditions. And I say manage at that time, I wasn't aware that conditions like this could be reversed. And so um, this physician introduced a book to me. Um, it happened to be The Whole Heart Solution by Dr. Joel Kahn. So shout out to him. Mm -hmm. He was the impetus to my entire transition. So I read this book and I was mind blown that you could use a plant-based vegan diet to essentially reverse high cholesterol and um, was then introduced to Ornish's and Esselstyn's work and how heart disease can be reversed. And again, mind blown. Um, Dr. Khan's book was really impactful because it specifically talked about cholesterol and um, some of the side effects that can ensue from statin use. Um, at the time, my dad was actually taking a statin and he had been for several years, but he started complaining of the common side effects of muscle and joint pains. Um, he's a handyman, if you will, and so that was really impacting his ability to work and live well. And so after reading that book, again, I, I discovered all of these other plant-based physicians and conferences and podcasts and articles. And I realized it wasn't just a hoax, like this is a movement. Mm -hmm. And so I presented it to my dad. I was vegetarian at the time just because I've never enjoyed eating meat growing up. So as soon as I moved out of the house, like buy meat, I still had um, eggs, dairy, cheese, um, but anyways, I presented this to my father and I said, if we go on a plant-based diet and get rid of all animal products, you could come off of your medication and you could be pain-free. And he's like, let's do it. I was like jaw dropped. My dad was the grill master, you know, at all of our family gatherings or when any chance he had to use the grill, he would grill meats. He would loved his steaks and he would eat everything fat included all down to the bone, you know, like one of those guys, typical American, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was shocked when he said, let's do it. So 2016, kind of at the new year, um, I ditched the rest of my animal products and he slowly made the transition. I think his last thing he gave up was cow's milk. He just couldn't get over using that on his oatmeal and cereal. But yeah, finally, finally made the transition. So um, as a result, his cholesterol normalized. He lost weight. He's now like 62. I think we just celebrated. Yeah. And he's thriving. He looks great. My mother is on board as well. Um, some of my siblings are not all of them, but um, all this to say he's yeah, four plus years in now and I wouldn't think of turning back and neither would I. I mean, once you are here any, yeah. So fast forward, I then went to nurse to become a nurse practitioner. So I went back to school to get my master's with this passion to utilize lifestyle medicine and all my interactions, seeing, you know, my parents being my star patients, I'm like mm -hmm. if they can do it, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Um, and it's so powerful. And so um, that's what drove me to go back to school and then to become now uh, a nurse practitioner in the primary care setting. 
Um, That's amazing. It doesn't get closer than that when you have <laughs> your parents or your, your father changing and seeing firsthand the impact that the, 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 pl- the power of, you know, lifestyle medicine or plant-based nutrition specific, specifically can have on somebody. And the mm-hmm. fact that the, all of the suffering that is spared for both your father, but also you, because it's, I mean, it's so painful to observe the people that you love suffer. And the fact that you're you're able to help him walk through that and firsthand saw the consequences. I mean, I can only imagine how much fire you have, how much motivation you have to spread this movement forward. Definitely. Yeah. And it's definitely been a journey. I keep learning and growing in it. And I've met so many amazing people in it, just the entire movement. And um, yeah, it's one big journey. So it's definitely for anyone out there listening who is like, hi, I could never do that. Trust me, I'm still learning and growing and tweaking my own behaviors um, in terms of how to make it most efficient and easy for me, like meal prep, for instance. Um, But yeah, so it's been, I feel very blessed that he, you know, jumped on board. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And we're we're actually going to get into how to make it easy and what are some of the tips. Uh, We'll definitely, I want to definitely want to talk about that. I would like for that to actually be the focus of the episode, right? So for people who are either curious or just, just kind of diving into the freshly plant-based lifestyle, how to make it easy. But I want to to explore your journey just, just a little bit longer. Um, What do you think were some of the empowering moments, some of the more um, most empowering or uh, invigorating or energizing moments uh, through your journey in terms of motivation and believing that it's possible? I know for me, it was one thing to realize the power of it and be like, okay, I'm in, I'm going to try it for myself. But it wasn't until I went to my first conference and it was actually the, the Peapod where we met. It was my second conference. My first one was Remedy Food Atlanta in 2016. So it wasn't until I went there and saw not just vegan activists, which is amazing, but I also saw healthcare professionals and I saw nurse practitioners. I saw doctors, medical doctors, over hundreds of them in one room, all preaching the power of plant-based nutrition. It wasn't until then that I realized the true scale and the true potential that this movement can have. And that was the point where like, okay, it's not just a hobby. It's not just a principle or ethical belief of mine. This is actually something that I can do for my career and I can make true impact through that. What about you? I think I would have to agree. There's so much power in community and seeing that you're not alone and knowing that, you know, the evidence is there, but you're not the only one who believes it. (laughs) Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's there. Science has shown us for like, nearly hundred, like a hundred years now, I believe we have science going back to show the power of plants. And so at each conference, hearing from different experts, physicians, dietitians, um, vegan activists, fitness professionals, like the more people I meet, um, the more I'm just empowered to, you know, this, this is so, so powerful and so beneficial to overall human and environmental and um, planetary health. And um, even, you know, when I I do talk to my patients, a lot of times they've never heard of this before, but every so often I'll meet that patient who has, like, for instance, a a few weeks ago, I had a patient who was in for like ear pain or something totally unrelated, but I always review their medication and their medical history. And he was only in his fifties. And he told me that at age 46, he had had a heart attack, had to have a total like bypass surgery, stents placed the whole nine yards. And, um, after he was finished with surgery, you know, began his normal standard American diet. And then he saw a friend suffer the same heart attack, go into a coma and then not wake up. And he was like, 
something's got to change. So on his own, he was able to discover Esselstyn and totally transform his life. So just the fact that, you know, my path happened to meet his path and he's had so much success, you know, just seeing those success stories too in my patients who, you know, are not physicians, are probably would not have gone to these conferences, but yet they've mm-hmm. discovered the power. It's um, like, oh my gosh, okay, this is like a boost of energy, super exciting. I love that. So you're talking about both the scale and the, the numbers of the population or, or the, the professions who are within the field, but also at the same time, the true power of the individual story and the, the, the humongous impact that you can make on the life of the one person that you're talking to at that moment. Yeah, that's, that's very powerful. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Okay, so um, I'm thinking about how, what's the best way for us to structure our conversation because I do want for the focus uh, of this talk with that, for us to be how making it, how can we make transitioning into a plant-based style easy for somebody and what are, how can we best address questions that some of those who are new to plant-based style may, lifestyle may have in a matter that doesn't send them on like a rabbit hole of research that they have to do for hours, right? So mm-hmm. maybe uh, your, the, the model that you're, you're practicing in right now that we just briefly mentioned before we started talking. So I know you said that you're a nurse practitioner and you basically have very, very limited amount of time that you can talk to people, especially very limited amount of time that you can designate to something that is more lifestyle choices when people are coming to you for more of an emergency issue. So maybe talk a little bit about how do you, how do you start those conversations and how do you, um, how do you find time uh, to, to do it in a very short period of time? And what's, what's the hook that you use in order to be able to address it in such a like, quick talk? Yeah. So um, again, people will come in with all types of concerns. And so I fully address their current concern, understand, you know, how long has this been going on? What can we do for you? But I always review their medical history and their medications. And so that is the moment where if they tell me they have diabetes or if they're taking metformin because they have PCOS, which then triggers me, oh, there's insulin resistance going on. Or if they're on a couple high blood pressure medications, or if maybe they have nothing in their history and I check their blood pressure and it's through the roof. Um, I use all of those as entry points to say, so tell me, like, are you aware this is going on? Like, have you been told that you have high blood pressure? Or I see that you have diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Like, have you made any lifestyle changes? Have you been told about the power of lifestyle? And they're like, oh yeah, you know, I try to eat fewer carbs or, you know, I just, I exercise more. And then yeah, I kind of gauge their interest because a lot of the time, well, not a lot of the time, but sometimes they are very closed off and they don't really want to talk, but more often than not, they're, they're open. And so I then present like, well, have you ever heard of a plant-based diet being used to reverse diabetes because it targets that insulin resistance? Or have you heard of, you know, I throw out mastering diabetes or um, have you heard of the film Forks Over Knives and I, I cut, or Game Changers? And so I use, I have a, a resource list that I'll often refer to um, and see if I can hook them that way. Um, or if, if they make the comment, like, I know I'm on so many medications, because a lot of the times they will say, it's so many, like, I'll get my list out. I'm like, okay, you know, have you ever wanted to come off of any of these medications or considered what you might be able to do? And so I kind of use those to, to gauge their interest. And then if they are interested, go from there. And um, our visit time is very limited. So um, I do the best that I can to introduce like an overarching topic to say, you know, if you do follow a plant-based diet, you are, um, you can target that 
underlying cause of your type 2 diabetes and then potentially lower that A1C, lower your daily blood sugars, lower your need for medications? Um, can I give you some handouts and some things to look up at home? And, um, and they'll say yes or no, or, you know, if, if they're really concerned about their weight or um, they're constipated, I have a fiber chart, I have an, a cooking without oil chart, I talk to them about calorie density. It's very much, you gauge the patient, you see how much time you have, and you, you try to use the resources that you have. Um, so I have developed a big resource book with every single topic you could imagine. And so I'll, mm -hmm. I'll pull out a visual to, to kind of show that to them. So hopefully they can, they can see it, they can hear it, um, they can go home with something and kind of go from there. And I always tell them, you know, I am a walk-in clinic, but you are welcome to come back and talk to me about these at any time, like, or I offer to make an appointment for them in uh, two to four weeks to see if, you know, if they're really interested. And I have had that happen. They'll come back after making some changes or doing some research, and then we'll kind of touch base in a couple of weeks. Um, that's, yeah, <laughs> a little bit yeah. of an overview. No, this is great. And um, I'm curious, because uh, when I'm thinking about it, at the same time, it's uh, the setting is not optimal, right? Because you have so little time with patients. But at the same time, it makes me think that the, if it's a one minute clinic, if the people who come there, they have a reason to come there. So it sounds like they may have an urgency. And so if you're able to make lifestyle plant-based nutrition relevant to their point of pain at that moment and relevant to their urgency and speak their values at the same time it sounds like this is you you have a point of entry where you can actually like go through and it, it's a good time favorable time to introduce something like lifestyle medicine so yeah while while the time is not optimal the the opening may be there um is that what you find definitely i'd say so and I feel that I'm able to reach people who maybe would never otherwise hear about plant-based nutrition or lifestyle. And so if I can just introduce this thought to them, mm -hmm. I'm hopeful that they'll, even if they don't act on it, like if they ever hear that again, or if they do watch that documentary that, you know, they'll be more informed to be able to make decisions that might better affect their health. Mm -hmm. And then oh, what do you see? So you said you, you developed a portfolio of different kinds of resources, depending on what kind of concerns people have. Uh, do you find yourself using some of the resources more than others? In other, in other ways, are there like specific points that people connect on more than the others? Yeah, it depends on what their main condition is. So I tend to pull a lot of my diabetes resources. I have this really great carbohydrate handout actually from the American College of Lifestyle mm -hmm. Medicine because everyone says carbs are bad. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Let's define what carbs are. Like <laughs> carbs are not all bad. Um, so that one I use frequently in the diabetes. Um, I have a cholesterol handout that I frequently refer to and um, a blood pressure handout as well. And then I just have a few like plant-based um, plates, if you will, that I also refer to when people are like, well, what would I even eat? And that, so I, I give this to them as an example. Um, and then I often get kids and families. And um, so I have this handout that says um, just quick, healthy snacks for kids. And even though it says kids, I'll often tell the parents like, these are snacks that I eat too. So these are great ways to get healthful nutrition in throughout the day um, to prepare yourself for whatever, whether it's your long day at work or, you know, taking care of your family, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I do, I guess, yeah, there are some main ones, but generally I, I use quite the array of them. <laughs> 
that no that's great so if you don't mind why don't we do this so let's let's imagine that maybe i'm sitting in the clinic or at least let's let's put the parameters that we don't have a whole lot of time to discuss this so i want to ask a few questions or maybe just like open the topic for okay how plant-based nutrition is going to help my diabetes or my cholesterol or blood pressure and then maybe you can give me just somewhat of a quick answer it doesn't have to be like a 60 second but somewhat of a brief answer that let's say a, a patient regardless of their <clears throat> education level socioeconomic status or if they're a healthcare professional not healthcare professional that they can comprehend and then uh, and i'll welcome you your input or maybe if you're we're missing a few and then after that i would also like to address some myths so again like as carbs or carbohydrates are not good for me what about keto uh soy is gonna mess up my hormones or any anything like that would that be okay? Yep, that sounds good. Okay, so let's start with uh, with diabetes. So how is lifestyle medicine or and plant-based nutrition can help my diabetes? Yeah, that's a great question. Very common as well because a lot of people think, well, if I just go eat bananas and brown rice and potatoes, like my sugar is going to spike. And so I explained to them the process that actually – this is only because the cells that are supposed to respond to your insulin are not functioning appropriately. So a lot of the times my diabetic patients have a vague understanding of, you know, insulin is needed to quote unquote, unlock the cell to allow glucose in to give us the energy. So a lot of them have that baseline knowledge. So I explain that with eating the standard American diet, you know, I often ask them what they eat and they tell me, oh, you know, I try to eat good protein, like white or yeah, white meat, like chicken without the skin or, or fish like salmon. And, you know, I try to watch my carbohydrates and eat some vegetables. And um, I say, okay, you know, those are some good changes you've made. But over our lifetime, if we're eating a lot of those animal products that are high in fat and cholesterol, that fat does, you know, store itself in our fat cells. But when those get full, that fat then leaks into our other cells, which shouldn't be storing the fat like our liver and our muscle cells. And so when that happens, that insulin that is released by our pancreas really struggles to allow those cells to accept glucose. Your pancreas tries to keep excreting more and more insulin, but eventually that, that gets tired. And so your body just begins to fail in terms of that process. Your glucose starts to rise and you get those symptoms. And that's probably how you were diagnosed with diabetes. So if you follow me there, the goal is to basically get that fat where, out of where it does not belong. And the way that we can do that is by changing the way we eat. So even though you've made some really good changes, unfortunately that, that chicken, that fish still contains a high amount of fat and we really need to lower that fat in our overall diet so that your body can um, start to respond to the little bit of insulin you still have in your body to accept that glucose to give you the energy you need. Um, and I have a diagram that I'll walk them through because I'm definitely a visual learner and I feel like a lot of people respond to that too. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and that's how I kind of get them to understanding um, that a plant-based diet is, is naturally lower in fat, um, full of whole grains and beans, peas and lentils and fruits and vegetables and a small amount of nuts and seeds. Um, overall, it's, it's fat content is much lower even than like skinless chicken or fish or, or eggs, even just without the yolk, you know. Um, 
it also gets back to the point that a lot of people still have that misconception that they they think that diabetes is caused by carbs or too much sugar, where in mm-hmm. fact fat is is the evil to blame here. And I think you make a be- make a beautiful uh, job describing of how of what the process is and how fat is the the true kind of cause, and then how we can reverse that through plant based nutrition. Okay, great. Because I feel like sometimes I start explaining and I <laughs> have to gauge my patients to see if they're still following me. <laughs> no, I think, I think that was great. And the beauty of the podcast is you can rewind and listen to it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. So let's go to the next one. What about cholesterol? Yeah, definitely. Um, cholesterol is a little easier to explain because I, um, well, ask, I asked them like where do you know where we get cholesterol from in terms of foods? Like, do you know where cholesterol is found? And I'll kind of gauge their knowledge there. Um, Sometimes they're aware, sometimes they're not. So then I explain that the only place we get cholesterol in our diets is from animal products. So any meat, fish, chicken, poultry, um, eggs, dairy products, cheese, yogurt, milk, ice cream, all of that does contain cholesterol. And then I explain that our body actually creates all the cholesterol that it needs for life for our hormonal processes, for cell membranes, for everything that we need cholesterol for our body has the capacity to make that itself. So we actually do not need to consume any extra cholesterol. And the reason we have a cholesterol issue in the United States is because of that standard American diet that so heavily relies on those animal products and processed foods because eating too much saturated fat, which we often find in processed food can also raise cholesterol levels. So it's, I feel like this is a much easier concept um, for people to understand because when you cut that cholesterol out by eating more plants and fewer of those products, um, you can very easily and quickly see that cholesterol drop. Um, so that's my favorite one to counsel on because oftentimes people don't want to take their statins or people have had bad reactions um, to their statin medications used to lower cholesterol. And so they're very motivated to make that change um if not entirely at least mostly (laughs) so okay so that's cholesterol let's go to the next one the blood pressure i have Mm -hmm. high blood pressure what does a plant-based diet have to offer me yes definitely so blood pressure happens when our arteries that go all around our body and and then our veins which return to our heart but mostly our arteries they get hardened Um, and that is to a number of different reasons um, you know, from if, if we smoke, if we're stressed, if, um, if we don't exercise, but also it, it, it definitely comes back to what we're eating. And so if we're eating a predominantly animal-based diet, um, that fat, that cholesterol, that animal protein all changes our vessels. It can make them hard. It can make that plaque build up and it can make them less flexible. Um, whereas eating less of those products and more plant products, which contain fiber and minerals and vitamins and antioxidants and phytonutrients help to reverse that process, help to allow them to dilate by promoting that relaxation, um, allow that plaque to be covered, to dissolve. Um, And so that fiber especially is so crucial to cardiovascular health. And we see that very much in um, blood pressure. Blood pressure is a great outcome to measure when we, when we institute a plant-based diet because it often, often does lower. 
And so, especially with my patients who are on blood pressure medications already, if they are if they're ready to make these big changes, I definitely make sure that they have a blood pressure cuff at home. I make sure they talk to their doctor because this can be so effective that their blood pressures do drop and they can become hypotensive, dizzy, lightheaded. If they stand up too quickly, they might pass out. And so for their safety, it's very important that they talk to whoever their prescriber is because often I am not the prescriber for those medicines um, to see if they can lower them or just be in close conversation with their prescriber to make sure they're safe. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And we'll come back to it in a little bit too. I do want to discuss kind of what are some of the, what are the things that we need to look out for if we are making drastic changes, even if they are for the good. But let's continue going the list of some of the major concerns that we have in America today or the ones that you see. Um, let's talk about just the heart, heart disease in general. How is plant-based nutrition or plant-based diet uh, helpful for heart, overall heart health? Gotcha. Okay, wonderful. So yes, this goes back to the cholesterol question, the blood pressure question. Um, For overall cardiovascular health, it's just been shown multiple times by, you know, Dr. Ornish, Dr. Esselstyn, that it is truly a plant-based diet. It's truly the only dietary pattern that can not only just manage and stop heart disease, but it it can also reverse it and promote optimal heart health. And that includes all of the wonderful aspects of a plant-based diet uh, from the fiber, which fiber is only found in plant products, plant foods. Um, I often find that people are not aware of that and they think that they're getting fiber from their animal products. Um, But fiber only comes from plant foods. And again, that is so crucial for our cardiovascular health, for helping to lower that cholesterol, to lower your blood pressure. Um, And then... um, and also for so many different reasons as well. It helps, you know, with immune health and mood and by affecting your guts. Fiber is amazing. It's like, yeah, everyone in the plant-based world loves it. Um, <laughs> and I guess another, another thing in terms of plant-based diets and cardiovascular health is um, on a plant-based diet, you do get protein and it comes from plants. And so it is not laced with the um, harmful things that we see in animal proteins. Mm-hmm. Um, animal proteins can can lead to development of TMAO in the body, which can uh, worsen atherosclerosis and the lay down of plaque in the progression of cardiovascular disease. Um, it, it can cause, uh, it can lead to cancer development. Um, it just, and, and the heme iron that is associated with it as well can be very harmful. Um, so all in all, like we could have a talk just on cardiovascular disease itself. If we really wanted to get into all of the different (laughs) things that come from eating animal protein, for instance. Um, but yeah, so yeah. No, absolutely. I'm not making it easy on you. I know each of these questions like ha- has an opportunity to become a two-hour conversation at least. So, and I'm giving you like a few minutes to address each of them. So, I, I appreciate your your courage to try all of these. Answers. Um, so, I think we're getting a good perspective here in terms of why would somebody go plant-based. I don't know. Are there any other uh, conditions or kind of causes that you see in your patients that you think we should address? Um, I know. I mean, obviously. Uh, plant-based nutrition can help with uh, autoimmune disease and, and cancer, as you said, um, and, you know, just the skin health and, and, mm-hmm. and moods and, and depression. And uh, mm-hmm. there are just so many conditions that 
that plant-based that plant-based nutrition can provide to be the, the answer to. Um, are there any other ones that you see or in your patients that you want to address specifically? Yeah, I think you just named a few more of them that I commonly address. Um, mm -hmm. I sometimes get patients who are in remission after following uh, cancer treatment or have a strong family history of cancer. So I definitely like to address um, the power of, of plants and also, you know, exercise and sleep and stress reduction for prevention of that. Um, yeah, definitely autoimmune diseases, um, skin conditions like psoriasis and acne. Um, and of course, you know, Plant-based diets are fantastic, but often, not often, sometimes they're not all you need. So I still very much um, follow medical guidelines and, you know, sometimes additional medicine is needed, but a lot of the times in many of these conditions, you can get to the bottom of them, eliminate need for medicine and totally transform your health by changing the way you eat and move and sleep. So yeah, I think you named a lot of the ones I commonly see. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also just to put it into perspective, while we, we, we both talk about the immense power that, that the plants have, of course, it's not, as you mentioned, it's not like the, the cure for all. So we're talking about mostly chronic disease and just, just in general, I think even the management of diseases that cannot be cured necessarily still gets easier. And what I'm thinking about, you know, like type one diabetes, for example, or mm -hmm. if somebody has, you know, congenital heart disease. So can you speak mm -hmm. a little bit more about that? How, while there are things that <clears throat> plant-based nutrition cannot, maybe cannot reverse necessarily, but it, the, the quality of life still improves with yeah, definitely. Um, so type one diabetes, for instance, um, a different disease process compared to type two diabetes in terms of your pancreas, where your insulin is produced completely shuts down for one reason or another, and no insulin is provided to your body at all. And so um, this often, often happens younger in life, though, can happen at any time. But for those who do have type 1 diabetes and continue eating a standard American diet and go about their way, um, will, as their disease progresses, have to begin taking more and more doses of insulin because they start to develop this insulin resistance secondary to eating a standard American diet. So they almost develop a type 2 diabetes-like disease process on top of their original type 1 diabetes process. So even though type 1 diabetes is one of those things that we don't yet have like a cure for, quote unquote, um, eating plants can definitely make sure that the insulin you are giving to your body, that exogenous insulin that you are either injecting or getting through a pump works most effectively. Um, because if you continue to eat more and more fat and cholesterol and animal protein, your needs for insulin are going to go up as your body lowers that sensitivity. But if you maintain that plant-based regimen of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, legumes, your insulin sensitivity um, will maintain intact or even improve. Um, if you're familiar with Mastering Diabetes, Robbie Barbero, um, Cyrus Kambata, they are all proof of that and doing amazing work in that field. Um, so yeah. And then another one I would say is autoimmune disorders, um, which are just so vast and from skin conditions to things like MS, neurological conditions, um, autoimmunity takes, can take a long time to develop. And so, um, 
sometimes these conditions can be reversed, sometimes they cannot, um, but they can all definitely be improved. However, it's often a much slower process just because there is a lot of inflammation that the body is has dealt with years on end. And the human body is amazing. It's always trying to compensate and make up for anything that might be going awry. And so often there's a lot of damage done by the time we as humans notice the symptoms. And so we have to be cognizant of that when we do make changes that it might not be immediate for, for several different conditions or people based on your own individual journey. And so that's something huge that I do like to um, talk to my patients about um, because sometimes I share these success stories and people think, oh my gosh, that's going to be me. Or they watch something like Forks Over Knives or Game Changers and they're like, I'm going to change overnight and I'm going to be magical tomorrow. And it just doesn't, it doesn't happen that way, especially if you have 50 years behind you of not eating well, not sleeping well, not managing stress. And so it does take time to heal. But when you do give your body the correct um, environment, it, it will do its best to heal itself. Mm -hmm. I like that. Uh, I think Dr. Greger talks a lot about that too, and, and makes a really cool analogy as to where, you know, if you're, if you're walking around and you're hitting your, your leg on the table or your head on the wall, you know, every single day and you keep hitting it and hitting it, like it's just allowing your body to like not to stop, like not hitting your head for, for some time. It's the step one where, where it starts. So, you know, just stop, stop hurting your body. So stop hurting your body through consuming this animal foods that, that cause inflammation. And that, that's where it starts. Like all the plants and all the fiber is the added benefit, but let's at least stay away from the harm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So that, that's great. So I'm sure the listeners are on board with why. <laughs> plant-based nutrition and plant-based diet but let's now let's address some of the myths or some of the super common questions about how so like where do I start and how do I do that um, I would imagine you probably get a lot of questions about where is it that the person is going to get their protein from so how do you answer that of course yep I have a nice handout about that especially for my <laughs> athletes who are like really built and they're like but I'm I'm just I'm going to lose all my muscle. And I say, well, actually in America, the average human consumes much more protein than they need. And excess protein has been shown to lead to kidney damage, chronic kidney disease, um, which is on the rise and as well as certain cancers. Um, animal protein can just be very, very harmful, especially when consumed in excess um, for those reasons. And so um, then I pull out my chart well, then I explained that actually protein is found in every plant food um, and all of the animals that you're eating, you know, what do they eat? <laughs> they eat grasses and plants and all of the things. And so essentially we're just cutting out that middleman and eating protein straight from the source. Mm -hmm. So believe it or not, fruit has protein, vegetables have protein, um, but the bigger sources of proteins are going to be your whole intact grains. So not your oat bar, but that oatmeal, that traditional or rolled or steel cut oats, not your white rice or your rice puff cakes, but your brown rice, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, those whole intact grains and then um, legumes, the entire legume family. So any type of bean, um, chickpeas and black beans and kidney beans and pinto beans and um, green peas and uh, 
lentils and nuts and seeds, nut butters, seed butters, all of those are such good sources of protein. Um, and everything, of course, that grows has that combination of your protein, carbohydrate, and fat. And um, they all exist in varying components. But by eating a diverse plant-based diet, you will get your minimal protein needs. If you are an athlete, you might want to look into, I have some resources for those, um, you know, focusing on eating more of those protein-rich sources like tofu, tempeh, seitan, but you will be just fine in terms of getting enough protein. <laughs> I love that. And I have a feeling that the next question that follows after you talk about all of those grains mm. is, but carbs, but they're evil, but keto, how, how am I going to do all of these carbs? Am I going to am I going to gain weight? Exactly. Yes. It blows my mind. Um, so <laughs> yeah, a carbohydrates. I always ask people, okay, what do you mean by carbs? Let's just get our definition straight. And a lot of the times when they say carbs, they mean things I don't even think of as carbohydrates, but you know, cookies and cakes and sweets and chips and refined crackers and all of these things. Um, and I say, okay, okay, yes. So I would classify those as simple processed refined carbohydrates. Definitely not what we're talking about. <laughs> The carbohydrates I'm talking about are those whole food carbohydrates, your fruits, your vegetables, your whole grains, your legumes, like they all are great sources of carbohydrates. And because they are in their whole food, unprocessed, unrefined form, they are consumed by our body in such a way that is beneficial. They don't create a spike in blood sugar like those simple processed refined carbohydrates do. Um, and they are full of fiber and those minerals and vitamins that are so beneficial for all those disease processes we talked about earlier. And, and it is truly the fuel on which our body runs. And so when people ask me then, well, aren't they going to make me fat like potatoes? Like potatoes make me fat. And I tell them, okay, well, how do you eat your potatoes? And I often hear that it's in the form of French fries, which French fries, when you get them from fast food places are full of trans and saturated fats and everything not good for our bodies. Um, and so that fat is what causes that insulin resistance, that inflammation in our body. And then that, that weight gain, um, because there's a ton of calories in there. Um, but because those calories are, this gets into calorie density, because those calories are from the oil, which has been extracted from the plant in which it grew, you're getting all these empty calories without that fiber and those vitamins and minerals and nutrients that keep you full. So all this to say, eating a whole baked potato, sweet potato, red potato, white potato, whatever, baking it, roasting it, however, putting it eating it plain if you, if you would choose, but who eats potatoes plain? So covering it with salsa or beans or, or even fat-free refried beans make a great choice or, or broccoli or a cashew-based cheese sauce. Sure, there's a little bit of fat in all those items, but they're all whole food. And that will not make you fat. But if you eat your baked potato covered with sour cream and cheese and bacon bits, then, then yeah, again, you're gonna get all that added extra junk that you don't want. And if that's the way you eat your quote unquote potato carbohydrates, then, then yes, that, that might cause weight gain. Um, so I try to differentiate, you know, simple versus whole carbs and then how you're eating those carbohydrate foods. Right. No, that, that's, that's a great analogy. Um, and that's very true. Okay. The next one is soy, but soy is going to mess up my hormones. I heard it's terrible, especially <laughs> if I'm a guy, what if I grow boobs? How do you address that? 
Yeah, it's so funny. Um, I ask them a question back and I say, okay, well, do you consume cow's milk? Do you consume any dairy products? Do you consume, and I, I was once there, I admit to all of them that I used to consume dairy and, and cow's milk and, and cheese. And, and then I explained to them that these all come from a lactating female cow who is full of estrogen as a female hormone, because that's what's allowing her to lactate. Um, and many other hormones, like she's a living, breathing, beautiful animal. And now you are consuming that. And in the form of cheese and other concentrated items, you're getting a big old dose of that. So if you don't have man boobs from that, then you will not get it from soy. And so then, you know, they ask, well, I've heard it has estrogen. Well, it actually has something called phytoestrogen, which acts differently on our estrogen receptors. It's actually, uh, they act in a beneficial way, um, turn off augmentation of estrogen that can lead to uh, certain cancers like estrogen dependent cancers, uh, breast cancer, endometrial cancer, ovarian cancer. Um, they help to turn off those harmful receptors and turn on more beneficial receptors. So they don't act the same way that estrogen does from a human or animal source. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it is not equal to <laughs> like hormonal estrogen from a cow is what I try to explain. Got it. And plus, again, like if you, when, when I feel like addressing any kind of question like that, just, just go to the data, look at the studies. And there are plenty of studies that show benefits of soy consumption to you know, the, the female related cancers or the mm -hmm. improvement in the going through the menopause that soy products actually help ease any kind of like effects that or negative experiences related to menopause. I mean, there's plenty of data to show that. So definitely it's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, always, always uh, nutritional nutritionfags.org is a great website. And then specifically Dr. Michael Greger uh, has several videos about how soy is, is beneficial. Um, again, all backed by science. So mm -hmm. if anybody still has doubts, that's a good resource to go to. Um, okay. Another one is, uh, okay, but I've seen this post on Facebook and somebody sent me the article that you know how vegans or plant-based nutrition people, they drink all of these green smoothies and actually greens can be bad for you. And if you eat too much kale, then that's going to cause something. <laughs> I haven't actually heard that one in person yet. Um, but yeah, I, to my knowledge, I don't believe you can eat too many greens. However, I do recommend that people chew their greens. Um, especially based on, you know, the research from Dr. Esselstyn, who recommends actually for his heart patients that they consume a serving of greens at least six times a day, that they lightly steam it and put some balsamic vinegar on it to help activate that nitric oxide, which, well, the nitrates, the nitrites, as, as you chew those greens, they release the nitrates that are then come down into our stomach with the acid, turns into this beautiful nitric oxide. All this to say, this is a great vasodilator that helps to, again, relax our blood vessels like we talked about earlier, um, in addition to the fiber and everything else you get from whole plant foods. Um, so chewing greens is what is really going to get you the benefit. So I know a lot of people throw greens into their smoothies to get those greens in, and you do get some of the benefits in that form. Um, if that's the only way you consume your greens, um, I would advise trying to get greens into your diet in a way that you can chew them throughout the day. Um, but I, yeah, I haven't heard of there being an upper limit, if you will, on your green consumption. 
Got it. And that's also, I think, a good point that brings us to uh, the importance of variety in our diet. And I know we haven't really gotten into it since it hasn't been the point of the conversation into the, the microbiome um, and, and, and fiber. We talked a little bit uh, about fiber, but the number one predictor of the healthy microbiome um, is the variety of plants in your diet. And there are a number of doctors that I know we both respect, Dr. Will Bolshevitz, Dr. Zach Bush, who talk about the importance of diversity in your diet. And you know, if you're if you're concerned that you're gonna get too much of the some kind of green nutrient from your kale, maybe it's a good idea to diversify your kale consumption to include some other greens, dark leafy greens in it. And as you said, uh, consuming foods in, in their whole as whole form as we can uh, so chewing greens when we can it will just naturally prevent us from being able to consume too much of, of a, of a quote-unquote good thing that's true mm -hmm. okay um, another one I want to address it's not necessarily as much of a myth but rather just again another reminder to be reasonable and careful once you make any kind of a big transition in your life and what I want to ask you about is uh, what are some of the things that uh, people need to be careful with when transition to transition into plant-based nutrition? And I'm specifically interested in what if somebody has pre-existing conditions or what if somebody is on, on different kinds of medication? And I know uh, from your experience, I, I know you spent some time in True North as well, where some of those changes were very drastic with both either transition to plant-based nutrition or even fasting. But when the body heals and it heals fast, there's still things you need to be looking out for, even though the changes for the better. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely very good to keep a close watch. Um, so especially for those patients who are on a lot of medications, if they are willing and ready to make that transition, and again, I am not their primary care provider, unfortunately, so I, I urge them to please get in touch with your doctor. And if and when you start making these changes, be cautious of your, you know, if you're a diabetic, watch out for your blood sugar. You might need to come off of some of that insulin or metformin, other medication that you're taking. Um, watch your blood pressure. Again, same thing with those meds. Um, cholesterol isn't as concerning because that doesn't, um, you don't get lightheaded or low hypoglycemic if your cholesterol goes low. But still, I want their the patients to be in close conversation with whoever their prescriber is, because these things can happen so quickly if they if they jump all the way in. Um, in terms of other conditions, other things to be watchful of, um, I feel like those are the biggest, most mm -hmm. safety-oriented concerns. Um, that I often present. That's why I love catching those patients who aren't yet on, like they don't have that official diagnosis or are not yet on that medication. And so they are the perfect candidate to go ahead and full on, like make this change, let's reverse this high blood pressure that we're seeing, um, at low, high cholesterol levels, and we don't have to worry about this, the safety risks as much. Mm -hmm. This one is a little bit more specific. So if you don't have an answer for it, no problem, but um, I'm just curious. So if somebody is taking, let's say somebody got a mechanic valve in their heart and somebody's taking blood thinners, are there, is there anything that need to be uh, careful with in, in, when consuming a plant-based diet? Yes, definitely. So they are told to follow a very routine diet in terms of their vitamin K intake, which often comes in the form most commonly as, you know, those dark green leafy vegetables. So sometimes patients just take that to mean, oh, I shouldn't eat these items, unfortunately. 
yes, that often happens. So um, what I've learned from, I think it was through Dr. Esselstyn's seminar, if you are on a mechanical valve or do take warfarin for whatever reason, if you have AFib, et cetera, you know, it's the cheapest drug out there to treat that type of a condition. So a lot of people still are on it and they have to get their blood levels, their INR checked at least monthly. Um, but in those situations, when they transition to a plant-based diet, they need to be all the more vigilant and following up with their doctor to get that blood level checked even more frequently so that they can, um, Dr. Esselstyn recommends that they do start to increase their daily intake of greens to whatever level they are comfortable with that is good for their health, and then having their doctor adjust their warfarin level um, accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, the good news is with our newer uh, anticoagulants, there's so many different classes now, they're all incredibly expensive, but more and more patients are being placed on them. We do not have to monitor the blood as closely. They don't need to have that blood level checked. Um, so it, it's really just that warfarin that we watch out for. Um, these other ones, they have, they work on different pathways. And so um, the patients can be more liberal about their diets. Oh, this is a great answer. I really appreciate that. Okay. Well, um, are there, let's say, are there any, is there any downside? to, to uh, transition to plant-based nutrition? Are there, you know, how people say, oh, like, well, we're all different. Maybe the same diet is not the right for everybody. And I know it's true ethically, but in terms of the health conditions, what do you see? Uh, are there any, any conditions or any specific cases or like just kinds of people that plant-based nutrition is not fit for? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, the only, only thing is refractory refractory epilepsy so epilepsy a seizure disorder that does not respond to any medication now oftentimes these patients might be hospitalized they might have many other chronic conditions and so research has shown that a very closely carefully delivered ketogenic diet which is so much different than what people are doing currently with the trends show because often the keto diet that people follow now aren't as high in that fat. They're more protein based. It's, it's just not done medically correct. So a medically delivered keto diet can help in those refractory epilepsy cases. But again, that's very, very hard to stick to. And that is the only condition that I'm aware of that does not like in which a plant-based diet would not be maybe recommended. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, you know, as human beings, our DNA has been sequenced and we're all like 99% the same. So <laughs> and looking back at our evolutionary ancestors, what do they eat? So, and so much research has been done. Our, our teeth structure are not meant to consume animal flesh. Um, they're made to grind nuts and seeds and chew and chew and chew. Our intestinal tract has been shown to, to be longer and, and it's, it, not made to digest animal flesh. So a lot of research out there. Um, I'm just reiterating it all, but. <laughs> no, yeah. that's great. Dr. Um, Dr. Mills is, is a great, great, great spokesperson on that. He appeared also in many documentaries, Forks of a Nice, I believe, definitely, definitely what a health, but he has uh, a, just a great talk on that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so plenty of data, as you said. Okay, are there any other myths or like popular questions that you hear a lot from, from people that we haven't addressed? Hmm. Let's see. Definitely the protein and the carbohydrates, the soy I get. Um, well, I guess something, um, 
that sometimes comes up if people have tried it, for instance, they're like, but I just, I'm always hungry. Like I just, I, I just can't get full. Like it, it didn't work for me, you know, if they've tried it in the past. And then I asked them to explain to me, okay, well, you know, what were you eating in a day? And they were not eating enough. <laughs> and so a lot of the times, because a whole food plant-based diet is naturally calorically less dense, so fewer calories per volume of food exist in plant foods, you do have to eat a greater volume if you're trying to maintain your same mass, weight, which is why it's so beneficial for weight management and weight loss and finding your, your ideal body weight um, is to eat this way. Um, but if you're, if you're not trying to lose weight, then you definitely need to eat a larger volume of food or focus on those higher calorie dense foods. Um, so really eating a lot of, um, you know, your, your beans, your potatoes, your whole grains, adding in nuts and seeds, avocados, nut butter, seed butters. Um, so that is something, cause I'll, I'll sometimes get yeah, some active guys and they're like, oh yeah, I tried that once before because my girlfriend was vegan or yada, yada. And I just, it couldn't last. And they just were eating salads all day, like just lettuce and, and some veggies, you know, like hardly any <laughs> beans or grains or things that are keeping them full. Yeah. Okay. So now I know I want to be respectful of your time. So we don't have to spend another three hours on now <laughs> on the guide of how to do it now, but mm -hmm. let's say somebody, let's say like you just talked to me and I'm bought in. I'm like, okay, you convinced me. I want to, I want to have normal blood pressure. I want to reverse my type two diabetes. I hear you. I'm sold. Where do I start? What do you say? Yeah. Um, I say, well, let's look at what you're currently eating. Would you be interested in swapping out that meat at your dinner plate for a bean dish, whether lentils or, or tofu or um, seitan or tempeh or um, a big hummus plate? Like, I'll see what interests them and we'll go from there. And I'll say, okay, one meal a day, if you can. Or sometimes they'll be like, yeah, I'll, I'll do a couple full days a week or, or something. And so we'll kind of lay out a sample um, meal guide, meal prep, if you will, just kind of like, okay, well, how can we take what you're eating? Cause a lot of times people are already eating, you know, oatmeal for breakfast mm -hmm. or, um, with an egg and sausage. And okay, let's take out that egg and sausage and see what we can, uh, swap it for. Um, and so I try to meet them where they are and, uh, identify certain steps that they can they can take um, and just keep it small keep it manageable all about those smart goals you know your specific manageable achievable realistic time bound goals um, something that they feel that they can do um, so that's often where I will start um, in terms of addressing that or if they have specific concerns or specific goals like if weight loss is their number one thing then I'll say okay let's look at how you're cooking your food Let's look at what you're putting on these salads you're telling me about. If they're full of oil, can we start to remove that oil and substitute it with different flavors mm -hmm. and such? Um, so again, I cater it to their needs, their concerns. Meeting the patient where they are. Yeah, that's so important. And I like that approach too. That's kind of if I if I talk to somebody, and of course you're you're the healthcare professional in terms of you actually deal with patients. I don't. I deal with coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. I don't, I don't deal with patients, but what I just found kind of useful when, when just my friends ask me for advice is, again, like asking what it is that they're already eating. Because as you said, like a lot of people, they don't realize that a lot of the meals that they're already eating might actually be plant-based or maybe very close to being plant-based. Like oatmeal, mm -hmm. it's so easy to do and you don't have to mm -hmm. put dairy milk in there. You can just put soy milk or nut milk in there. And then, yeah. you know, like 
tacos will live whatever like the fish or the meat or chicken is in there and just put some beans beans in there and you know mm-hmm. skip the cheese and make some kind of uh, cashew cheese sauce maybe mm-hmm. and it's it's right there it's vegan yeah and i find it's really easy like in terms of the palate in terms of the habit changes picking like the top 10 recipes that that you mm-hmm. already use and that are your favorite and then mm-hmm. flipping them quote unquote veganizing them or whatever term you want to use but making them healthy and plant-based and starting there and usually it requires just a few tweaks and you still got your favorite dish it's comforting you know what you're doing but now it's a healthy version of it and that's where you start mm-hmm. yeah definitely Awesome. Okay. Well, I want to mention um, a few other projects that, that you're working on. I know, you know, as you mentioned, nurse, nurse practitioners, your quote unquote day job, your, your day gig, which not just quote unquote, but it is your day job. And it's, uh, it's not, perhaps not the most optimal uh, environment to practice lifestyle medicine at first sight. But at the same time, as we talked about, it's, it, it, the opportunity is there. And that's when you get people when they're most vulnerable and they are ready to listen, perhaps because they do have pain at that specific moment and maybe they're a little bit more motivated to do something about it. And lifestyle medicine, plant-based nutrition specifically, always can, can offer a solution. But I know there are a few other really cool projects that you, you're, you're involved with, with Plantastic and then Kind Meals. Um, do you want to share a little bit more about those? Sure. Yeah. So Plantastic is a plant pure pod that stems from the Plant Pure Nation documentary produced in 2015. And following that film in which people in communities and pods essentially were able to reverse chronic conditions using a plant-based jumpstart model, uh, these pods developed all across the nation. And I believe they're now international as well. And so we're just a whole food plant-based group located in Columbus, Ohio. Welcome to anyone who maybe is just curious about eating this way or already is. Um, we have people at all different paths um, along their journey. And we host monthly events, um, which have kind of been tampered a little bit or uh, dampened, I guess, with COVID. Um, but we have offered, um, we routinely do potlucks. We show uh, documentaries. Um, like we recently uh, screened Code Blue by Dr. Stansick. Um, we've had people come and talk. We had Robbie Barbero from Mastering Diabetes. Um, what else have we done? Oh, we had some cooking demos. So just things that bring, I love bringing people together because community is huge. And so that is also something I stress with my patients that um, especially if they are, you know, a parent or a caregiver or a partner, you know, they have people in their lives. So I ask them if, you know, if they'll be making this change alone or if they can bring other people alongside of them. Um, either way, I, I let them know about the Plantastic group. It's open to all. Um, and we have a Facebook page on which people are always posting things. And so it's just kind of an encouraging environment, especially for people just beginning the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kind Meals is another organization that I'm involved with. Um, we used to do monthly meal serves, a hot meal to um, a part of the community that is uh, a lower income area, um, kind of a food desert slash apartheid, if you will. Um, so we would offer this fresh, healthy food. Um, now, however, we're not cooking together with COVID. So we're creating these boxes full of dry goods and produce and healthy, vegan, easy recipes that they can then use all of those items, um, take them home and then create meals for themselves and their families. Um, And then 
I also uh, volunteer with another local community organization and I, I just film quick and easy cooking demos to show people how they can um, easily use fresh produce and other items to create quick meals. Um, and so I'm just, yeah, excited to see what other opportunities might arise in my community as I, I try to impact um, others just using the, the simple power of nutrition. Yeah. Now, I appreciate all of you do. And uh, even, of course, we're not here in Columbus, Ohio. I'm in Atlanta. But uh, <laughs> you're still, I mean, you're making an impact in my life. I love following you on social and your posts are usually always so positive and informative. And your cooking demos are amazing, by the way. I took the, the <laughs> recipe that you've done for the, the mac and cheese, the plant-based oh, mac yeah. and cheese. I and made it for a party here on, on July 4th. And it was so good. It was, it was so simple. It's, you know, it's so healthy. Who would have thought mac and cheese? But right. yet, like it's so, and, and you make it the way that you present the recipes. I mean, you, it's, it's very easy to follow. So let's say somebody wants to check out those recipes or find you either on social media or somewhere else. Where can they find you? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's totally just, yeah, a side thing. But yeah, if you want to follow me, I am, um, I'm mostly doing those through Facebook. So mm -hmm. just my name, Abby Oberla. And then um, I do also have an Instagram. Um, I've been a little silent on that lately, just with the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, trying to figure out how I can um, be respectful in that space, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so however, my uh, handle there is o.be.well. So obwell, kind of a play on my last name, Oberla. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome okay uh and i usually have a question that i close the pod with um that's kind of like a tradition of mine uh, but before we get there is there are there any topics that we haven't covered that you wanted to talk to uh, talk about or any other tips that you wanted to offer listeners anything before we start closing it up sure i guess one final thing is um preparation preparation you got to set yourself up for success and I do that each week when I, I prepare, I, I set aside a few hours, my weekly schedule changes. So sometimes it's Sunday, sometimes it's a weekday, but I'll do like two to three hours of a solid meal prep so that I am prepared throughout my week, throughout my long shifts, um, to have healthful food that I can easily eat. When I come home from long days and I'm tired, I'll have food ready. Um, a lot of people tell me, I just don't have time to eat the way you eat. And I just explain to them, it, it does take a little more planning. So I do figure out, you know, what do I wanna have on hand this next week? I make a list, I go to the grocery store and then I just cook. I'll roast veggies and potatoes, I'll cook grains, I'll cook beans, I'll make some sauces. So at the very least I can kind of throw together, you know, those power or bootables, if you will, with greens, grains, beans, delicious sauce, fresh veggies, and you're good to go. And um, when you prepare all those things separately, um, then you can mix and match them throughout the week. Uh, because I know a lot of people, myself included, Sometimes I can only eat the same thing for so many days. And so it's nice to be able to have that variety. Um, so it, again, it does take a little bit of planning and time, but it's, it's definitely worth it in the long run to the time that you save throughout the week, the agonizing over what I should eat or, you know, reaching for something that in hindsight, you know, you wish you hadn't have reached for, et cetera. So, yeah. 
I'm glad that you mentioned that because your food prep is on point. The, the pictures <laughs> that you take of your like refrigerator or when you have all of your prep stuff laid out, it's just Thank amazing. You. And then the fact that, as you say, it only takes a few hours, it's, it's mind blowing. But as you said, it's all, about, it's all about preparation and you make it easy on the front end. So then the healthy choice becomes the easy choice, the choice architecture in the back end, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So if anybody for the listeners, if you want to go check out Abby's uh, prep game, then especially, <laughs> I know it's definitely on, the, on the Instagram. So look her up on Instagram, Instagram and yeah. scroll back out. But yeah, it's, it's amazing. The things that you pull off are really cool. It's, again, it's, it's very simple. It's all just about yes. batch cooking. But then it's, again, it's being like intentional and your grains, beans and the fruit. Yeah. And, mm-hmm, it's fun. Exactly. Um, yeah. So while we are on the topic, and I know we're, we're about to close, but maybe we'll take one more question. What, are, <laughs> what were some of the other um, tips or some of the other lessons learned that you have acquired through your personal journey on, on, of plant-based nutrition, some of the things that you think would be like, helpful for somebody just starting uh, to know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like through my journey, especially being able to intern at True North, like I visualized and experienced the most pure and perfect whole food plant-based diet, you know, like everything, well, it was a treat as an intern there. I I did not fast, uh, true North, you're known. It's a water fasting facility, um, where people often with chronic conditions come in and they're medically supervised and they either begin a juice or a water only fast after which they're then transitioned onto a beautiful whole food plant-based diet. As an intern, I helped assist in that process, so I did not fast, but I got to indulge in all of this amazing food, um, completely free of salt, oil, sugar, um, you know, every green under the sun, uh, lentil dishes, plantains, potatoes, and all you can eat salad bar at any hour of the day, like the most amazing food. So I feel like after experiencing that um, and then coming back to reality and cooking for myself, I had these very high expectations for your food has to be perfect. Like you cannot eat out. You cannot even buy almond milk. Like you cannot do anything (laughs) processed. You know, I went to the extreme. Mm -hmm. And so as I came back to reality and I was like, okay, yeah, this isn't going to work. You got to make this work for you still follow a whole food plant-based diet, but it's okay to, you know, use these things that are helpful for you. Like if you want almond milk, that's okay. Like it's, it's, and so finding your own, what works for you within the whole food plant-based worlds, um, because there are, and then of course on the other end, there's a lot of amazing trans, I call them transition foods, but plant-based alternatives to meat products and other items, you know, there's beyond burger and beyond sausages and egg replacements and cheese replacements. And all these things are wonderful, especially for patients. um, When I counsel them on transitioning or just people curious about eating a plant-based diet, um, great foods, but um, also highly processed. So I advise that people, once they are eating a plant-based diet, to think of those as treats um, Mm -hmm. and not a daily staple. And so again, all different types of like we're all on this journey together so just figuring out what works for you um when you need it as you're transitioning as you're deepening your your path into eating more of that life-giving food i love that that's a really really great advice 
Yeah, so it's not, it's not going to the extremes, but finding what works for you. And still, I mean, you can always get better. There will always be room for more perfection in your life. And I think always. it also brings us back to the, what we started, right? It's uh, when, when, when are we doing ever enough? Like the yeah. biggest lessons learned from COVID. It's just, just doing your best, but still finding ways to enjoy life and making it meaningful. And then still knowing that any, any change, any incremental change for the better um, is good and just trying to do today a little bit better than you did tomorrow and maybe you know to uh, rephrase the the Gandhi saying living your body a little bit better in the evening than you found it in the morning <laughs> maybe maybe that could be the goal for today <laughs> yes I love that yes <laughs> okay well um, thank you again so much for your time Abby but the question I usually uh, close with is the question about kindness and the, the name of the podcast is follow your kind so I love exploring with people what their definition of kindness is so maybe it can uh, inspire somebody else to examine their definition of kindness so they can follow their kind intentionally so what is what does kindness mean to you that's a really good question kindness means to me extending to others what i hope that others will extend to me essentially you know treating others the way you want to be treated but understanding that you know you go throughout your day you're rushed you're stressed you're feeling all of these things but you still interact with people especially in healthcare i'm interacting with patients all the time and i can definitely get grumpy and tired at the end of the day but remembering that the patient in front of me has a story they have something that they came to me for today and I have the honor of sharing in that with them and listening to them. They are trusting me with their time and my expertise. And so kindness is extending to them everything I have in that moment to be able to serve them and hopefully send them away better than when they first came in to see me. Mm. I love that. I love yeah. that. And as you were talking about it, I was thinking that, you know, being in, in healthcare professional, especially when you're patient facing is a, is a, is a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because it must be so fulfilling to be able to uh, at least have a chance to change somebody's life or drastically improve somebody's life at, at each and every interaction. But at the same time, it's also, I feel like it couldn't be a curse because you have the pressure, right? It doesn't matter mm -hmm. it's, if somebody's coming okay. to you like right before lunch or at the end of the very long and strenuous day, you still have just as much responsibility to give them your best. And how, right. do, you, how do you navigate that without, you know, without depleting your personal resources so that you're not hurting yourself? But then what it also made me think is, well, how are interactions between you and your patient different from interactions between me and anybody else that I encounter in, in my daily activity, regardless if it's a patient or if it's, you know, a friend of mine or if somebody I love, or if it's just a person at the cash register, I feel like I still have the same responsibility or at least, yeah, I'd say responsibility to, to at least try to not harm them and then maybe channel some kind of light and kindness towards them. So it's really mm -hmm. cool. Thank you for bringing that up. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Yeah. That's a good question. Abby, well, I'm so glad that we got to reconnect. I'm so thankful for your time. I took a lot of it, I know, but I very, very much appreciate it. I hope listeners will too. I'll include all of the things that you referenced that we'll make sure that we'll put the links in the show notes. I hope people go and follow you on social media with your beautiful food <laughs> prep and your beautiful recipes. And uh, 
let's let's stay in touch. I wish you all the best of luck and we'll be on the same path, changing the world together and changing the healthcare together. So I'm sure our paths will cross again. Definitely. Thank you so much. And congrats again on your journey. I'm so excited to see where you go. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm.